Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you as always for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast. 300 people, 300 times we've recorded, gone live, been in front of you. Such an honor. And this is an important topic, more important than I even realized two and a half months ago when we were deciding on Best Served Volume 1, Ease of Order, and what we were going to talk about. Does to-go packaging matter? It's a resounding yes, and we want to really understand and navigate that. This is 7 of 8 and Best Served Custom. Brand new channel. I was really fascinated. We get tunnel vision sometimes in, in restaurants, food and beverage, breweries, distilleries, wineries, everything. We're so focused on the product. We're so focused on butts and seats. Sometimes it's hard to understand what's happening on outside of our four walls. And so this idea of getting experiences and expectations from directly from the customer became more and more important. And so this channel and this series has been really informational for me and I think brought a lot of value. So I'm excited about that. We got three guests with us to speak on the topic today. Josh, Michelle, Susie Kim, Dev Adams are with us, and we're going to dig into that. I want to kind of disclaimer this a little bit because there's so much to unpack when we started digging in on both the customer side and the restaurant side of to-go packaging. So what we're going to talk about is kind of our expectation moving forward. We know that over the last year, it's been incredibly difficult for restaurants to even be able to get access to to to-go containers. From one week to the next, they may have a completely different lineup of containers. And so the thoughtfulness and creativity that goes into so much of food and beverage has been lost in many points for sure. And we realize and understand that now is the time for us to start thinking forward. We recognize that to go is going to be a massive part of food and beverage of restaurants of, of all sectors of food and beverage moving forward. So what do we do now? And we want to understand what our expectations are. And so on that topic, We'll kind of go around the horn here. Josh, I'll, I'll start with you. On that topic, to-go packaging, you mentioned you you are making decisions. You are thinking about that. It does have an impact. It may not have may not be the only thing you're thinking about. At a high level, set the tone for us. What's your expectation when it comes to to-go packaging? You know, I've seen all sorts of different things. Um, you know, one of the things I, you know, personally is I'm a graphic designer in the beer industry. And a year ago, breweries started to just like not have taproom traffic. So they had to pivot to packaging beer, um, which is just as crazy. Most of these breweries didn't think they would package beer ever. Now they're packaging beer. So that's something that I just thought of 10 seconds ago. Yeah. Um, But in terms of delivering beer, all of a sudden, all these series were delivering beer and to go beer became big too. Yeah. You have to get you know, curbside stuff and there's all new rules, you know, I, I personally hope that um, carry out cocktails is a thing for the rest of my life. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and it seems like maybe it's a thing uh, in terms of the food. Uh, I mean, you know, certain things travel better, like a burrito, you know, all you need is a little foil. It goes in a bag. It can go anywhere. Um, you know, it, the frustrating thing to me sometimes is, 
if you like order a burger, um, by the even if you go pick it up yourself, you're not doing a delivery service. By the time you get it home, it's like so soggy. And it's the number know. one complaint item. That, yeah, that I've come across that any research anybody I've talked to soggy French fries and a sopping wet bun for a burger and fries number one vulnerability right. that we're, that we're can, seeing right now. I can fix the fries with the air fryer. You, the bun is, you know, you're effed. Like you can't get it back. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, I would love some sort of. I don't want more packaging, but some sort of deconstructed thing with simple. You know, I can I can put a burger on a bun. I can add the the lettuce and the tomato, even in the order I prefer. Um, I I would be all about it. You know, like I want to support these restaurants um, that, you know, I'm not going to very often. I think I've eaten in a restaurant in Colorado, like three or four times in the last year. Yeah. Um, So I really want to support these, these businesses that I love and and people that I know, you know, who own and and work at these restaurants. Um, And I don't mind a little bit of assembly, you know, at all i i would i prefer it if if you're spending you know 50 to 100 bucks for for some fancy meal like you know i don't mind a little bit if it's going to taste better josh you you got us right into something that i'm so passionate about which is literally next week's episode it's called plating like a chef at home and it's about the opportunity for some assembly required at home and making it interactive a little qr code on the outside takes you to a video showing you how to to finish things i think there's I think there's a need for that. And Susie, I want to come to you kind of thinking about that as well. Josh mentioned something important. I don't necessarily want more packaging. I do want the opportunity to have a fighting chance to have my food not be a sopping, messy, cold, you know, congealed mess. So when you're thinking about that, when you're thinking about your expectation of the food and you're thinking about the to-go packaging, and does it all of a sudden mean that you have a burger and fries has four to-go containers, that feels a little icky to me as well. So how do you kind of navigate that? What maybe is your expectation thinking about that? So, um, yeah, I I definitely have gotten uh, perturbed by the soggy food mess um, that you mentioned. Um, I think that moving forward, uh, we're getting smarter about how to do things and adding um, things like ventilation holes or um, those little punched out, like almost hole with the flap um, to help remedy that. But I think that um, if we can just, I guess, take a step back when we're doing planning, um, menu planning and do some mock uh, to go packaging and do testing and, you know, let it sit for half an hour in there, see what happens, let it sit for 15 minutes, see the progression of what happens to the food. Um, And I think it's also uh, big to communicate with people at home. And even if it's like a simple, silly note, like, Hey, like things suck right now in terms of supply, like, cut us a break a little, you know, um, uh, you maybe, maybe encourage future business with like a, a little 5% discount code or something that they could use, um, just to, to let them know that you're mindful, you're trying to help the situation. Um, also maybe getting out to people in general via social media, like things, things that you've been doing, like, uh, communicating to people like that, Right now, it is a difficult time. You know, restaurants are going through uh, an enormous amount of transition. It's true. And we need an understanding from p- people that we're human, just like they are, and and that they're it's just difficult. 
Um, we're trying our best. Um, but yeah, I think uh, innovation is definitely something that has happened over this pandemic. Oh. And we've had to become very creative to get by. So yeah. Um, yeah. Restaurant people are some of the most adaptable people you will come across. Sometimes for better or worse, we're constantly pivoting. That's like the status quo of of our interaction, which means that we're not very proactive and forward thinking a lot of the times. We are such counterpunchers, and I think it's time for us to take a step back and think about the big picture of what's happening. So I appreciate that for sure. Uh, the communication has to get better for restaurants. It's very interesting because when somebody's in our dining room, we're, we're brilliant communicators. Yet the second they're not in our dining room, it's like it all falls apart. We, for some reason, can't figure out how to use this to communicate with people. We, for some reason, can't figure out how to let people know this is what's happening with us. And in the delivery apps episode, we talked about that where it's like, do the QR code instead of the video for plating as we were talking about. You're like, hey, it's really difficult for us right now. I'm so grateful that you ordered food from us. If ever the opportunity comes up for you to, to pick up from us directly as a small business that really supports us, like that would that would change people's potential interaction. So I, I really appreciate that for sure. I think I think so important. Dev, for you. All right. <laughs> to go packaging. Uh, when we had you on, you mentioned you talked about something that I think is interesting that uh, feeds into what Sophie said. We were talking a little bit about websites and you talked about the Bubba test and it's basically getting the Luddite person in your group to test and push every button and see if they can figure out how to utilize your website. I know Josh, that resonates with him as somebody who designs website. Susie mentioned, just leave it in a container for 30 minutes. To me, that, that feels like the Bubba test for food. We don't do that enough. Like We don't actually go through the, that process because to go has always been kind of just this, eh, it's this other thing. We like, we'll do it obligatorily, but we're not focused on it. So give me an idea there for you. You have to drive, you mentioned 40 minutes, like the integrity of that food or the quality of the to-go container has a big impact on the food at the end. Think about that a little bit. Bubba test, that's your thing. I appreciate you uh, gifting us that. <laughs> So for me, um, it makes a big di difference if it's something that I'm going to need to reheat, which 90% of the time it is, if I can re either reheat directly in that packaging that I got, or it's packaging that's easy enough for me to get the food out of that I can reheat yeah. it on my own. So um, like, so paper packaging, even though it's wonderful because it's recyclable, stuff sticks to the paper and you end up losing some of that food. Mm. Um, aluminum, aluminum doesn't have that same issue, which is really nice. Um but another thing that but just that don't really throw that in the microwave to reheat yeah. it. <laughs> well, we don't even own a, own a microwave. Ours ours uh, may or may not have exploded a couple weeks ago. So we you are two foil wrapped around the burrito that Josh mentioned. Oh, that's what a bummer. <laughs> I hear you. Um, but for me, also like reusable containers are a huge, huge deal. Um, they make a huge difference when we're talking. Like, I mean, again, like Josh, I'm from the beer industry. And so we are used to reusable containers in the form of growlers. And, you know, they, yeah. they date back to the 1800s when, you know, you had these, these buckets with lids on them. And supposedly the term growler comes from the noise the CO2 would make bubbling out. Well, we don't actually, the reusable growlers we see now didn't exist until eight, uh, 1989. Prior to that, that we were actually using kind of, um, I think Chinese food containers, like wax line containers for beer and then it was the auto brothers up in wyoming who came up with the what we know now as the glass growler and so 
in the past, you know, people would bring growlers in, you'd refill them, and and it was this perfect reusable container. Well, in the pandemic, there was a lot of problem with that because you didn't know how sanitary it was. Right. So what a lot of breweries have been doing is swap outs instead. So you bring a growler in, they take it from you, they give you a new one, but then they clean and sanitize the growler, and then it goes back into the stream. So it's not a, uh, you're not risking any cross-contamination, you're not risking worrying about if someone cleaned it or not, and it's a great reusable container. So I'd love to see more restaurants explore that. I know there are a couple of companies, uh, in one in Portland and one in New York, that are doing reusables. But that's a big, that makes a big deal to me too. Like if I'm going to eat out, if it's not recyclable or reusable, I feel a little, a little weird about it. Let's, let's get into this specifically uh, about the potential to pay more for something that's more thoughtful. What you're talking about has the potential to have a deposit on it, right? That then is recouped somehow. You, you're signing up for a subscription. You're part of a club. Like there's some way that there is an expectation uh, maybe just outright, and I'll come back around the group. You know, are you making that decision? Are you willing to pay a couple cents, a couple dollars more if that packaging is thoughtful, Josh? For you, um, I would consider it. I, you know, that was in the the Facebook post thread. I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, and and when you were talking about the delivery apps and going to Fadui and getting like styrofoam hell. Like I get that from fun 95 and it's so good. And uh, I like those guys. Breaks so my much. heart because I'm ruining our planet <laughs> yet. Fu is just, it's the only thing that I will absorb one calling on the phone and two, just like <laughs> pretend like I don't see all that styrofoam. It breaks my heart. And then I have the pho and I'm so happy. And then I put away the, the to go containers for leftovers. And I feel like shit again. And then like, it's this yeah. vicious cycle that, it's important and I think we need to like reflect on it. And so I'm already like owning my own my, my own mistake with pho. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. So I don't want to have any more impact. I've already had as much bad impact as I could possibly put uh, and still be a reasonable human being. And so now, unfortunately, for the rest of anybody I order food from, if you have styrofoam, it's it's a deal breaker for me. Even though I'm being a total hypocrite and I completely understand that. That's a pretty big ship to steer the entire restaurant industry, right? Yeah. And everyone's got their own, you know, their own plans and, you know, margins and stuff like that. Funnily, like I'm, you know, I'm interested in what this situation is like around the world. Cause like take out doggy bags, like doesn't exist in Europe. And I, 10 years ago I was in Spain and I, you know, you have to eat paella when you're in Spain and it was like right around the corner from where I was staying. And I was like, well, I had like was looking it up on my phone, how to say to go in Spanish, you know, my like high school level Spanish, which is para llevar, just so in case you guys need to know to, to take. And they were like, we don't do that. And, and then I was like, well, I don't like I have this gigantic plate of paella, like with chicken feet and you know the whole shebang. Like make some friends. And so the, the way it worked is. And it, it was so hard for him to explain to me that for five euro deposit, they would just put a big plate with um, tinfoil over it and then take it back and bring it back and get my deposit back. And when I brought it back three days later, they were like completely fucking surprised that I would have ever done it. But, you know, like, I think that that is a little bit unreasonable sure. to it's expect. very European, also, old school European, but there you have a point, right? Like, that there there needs to be a thoughtful expectation and transaction if that's what you're looking for. And if you can recoup it, great. And if it means you have to pay a little bit more, 
I think, you know, you said you might be open to it. So it's not like a slam dunk. It has to like make sense on multiple levels. I think that's a, yeah. a good point. Any other thought on that? Maybe if the larger restaurant groups put together a coalition, like I don't, you know, I don't want to know about politics between all of these big groups, but you just made somebody the, real mad, Josh. They, I am sure I did. I, it's normal for me. Uh, <laughs> maybe if they could come up with some sort of more standardized thing that you could bring back. And even if you bring it back and you get 10% off or something, um, maybe, maybe that's an option. I don't know. Logistically, it sounds like a mess to me, but I would it's be a mess either way, Josh. I appreciate that. Look at Vegas. There's a lot of places where the in Vegas they have the same to go type cups. Some have completely uh, disposable cups. Other do have ones that are like solid hard plastic ones. Where between venues yeah. they'll take those in, and they're big enough operations where they are. So look, has it been done before? Not necessarily. Can it be? Or you're going to be stuck, and if you're stuck, you're vulnerable. And so like I, I think there's an opportunity there. Uh, Susie, same kind of question for you on the financial side. I really want to understand this. Are you, you know, let's say a, a, a product, a soup, a broth, something was going to come in a styrofoam container. Would you be willing to pay 50 cents more to have it put into a reusable plastic deli with a solid lid that you could then wash and reuse later? Is that the kind of thing you'd be interested in? Is that? Yeah, yeah I think that's completely reasonable. Um just, I mean, from an operation like cost um, standpoint and covering your costs. And um, and I think that it probably could resonate with a lot of people just because um, they, we want to be, we want to think that we're mi more mindful as people and as consumers and that we are helping for the greater good. So um, as long as you can position it that way, I think people will be understanding and um I mean, there's probably going to be the possibility of some pushback in terms of, of like people don't want to order. Um, but I don't think 50 cents is a deal breaker. Um, I, I just I also think that maybe um, in terms of like that coalition that you were talking about, that could be um, something that maybe Denver restaurants can do to band together to um, have purchasing power. Um and, and to ask your um, vendors and your um, distributors for um, like a better margin schedule. So you're only paying um, a yep. certain percentage above costs for your items, um, whatever market price is. Uh, I just I just think that people could work together a little bit more. Um, you know, like, oh, could not agree more. It comes back to the same mindset mentality that I mentioned earlier, where we're good when we have butts and seats, which means we're tunnel visioned on the four walls of the restaurant, the brewery, all of it. It's hard to see outside of that and notice that there's other people going through the same shit you are and the potential to support each other. It's hard when they're also your competition. So it's like, how do we think about co-opetition? Like, how do we start to like shift that mindset? Dev, I want to come to you and kind of stay on this a little bit because as I was hearing Susie talk and what Josh kind of brought up at the onset is like, we know craft brewers that specifically are buying pallets and pallets and pallets of 16 ounce, 19 ounce cans together to be able to offset cost. And so I think there's an opportunity there. Maybe thinking about that a little bit, do you see that opportunity for restaurants as well? Maybe give us a little understanding of what's happening in craft beer because we know that that's happening because of the cost is so high for you know for craft canning 
Well, and I think we're we're really lucky in Colorado specifically, but the craft beer industry in America in general, that we're very collaborative. That, yeah, it's competition, but it's friendly competition. Um, that just because we're offering, you know, an IPA doesn't mean that the guy down the block who's also offering an IPA that doesn't mean that we're losing customers to them unless, you know, they're offering a significantly better product or experience. Um, so I think we're really collaborative. You're right. People have been buying up a ton of cans as a group and splitting them out. Um, you see it every day in our industry group on Facebook where people are saying, Hey, I, you know, I need a pallet of, of 12 ounces. Anyone have those? I need a pallet of crawlers, especially when we were having the huge crawler shortage, um, crawling rental company, which is based here in Colorado. Um, they were working with all of their breweries to make sure everyone was taken care of. And then if they had leftovers, they were reaching out to other breweries outside mm. of their, of their customers saying, Hey, we've got crawlers and they weren't gouging or anything like that. They were just like, Hey, we've got some extras. We saw you were looking, do you still need them? Um, same thing with looking for kegs or, I mean, the number of equipment orders that have gone through as a group. Um, so it's very, very collaborative and really nice. And I think there is a huge opportunity, like Susie was saying, in the especially in Denver or any kind of city group of restaurants to come together and be like, okay, so this is something that our customers have said is important to us. How do we leverage our power to, to make this a reality? How can we come together and have the Denver Restaurant Association help us out? And um, maybe they have brand, branded to-go containers that just say Denver Restaurant Association or what have you. And those can be brought back to any of the participating restaurants. You know, So that way, again, you've got that buying power. You're only, let's say you only have four different containers between all of these restaurants. That would be not terribly difficult to manage and um it would definitely be friendlier for customers and i mean i would be stoked if i you know let's say i i get my pizza at hops and pie and i and i get a soup and then i have that container and i can use that soup container again when i go downtown i can drop it off and swap it out you know for pho or something so i think i think that there's a there's mm. a huge opportunity there for restaurants to work together and and take a lesson yep. from the craft beer folk Yep. I like that a lot. Here's, I'm a broken record. Everything boils down to a few essential things and mindset, mindset, mindset is so important to me. We're so in survival mode, scarcity mindset. It's like, how do we get to growth and abundance mindset in restaurants? And it's hard when you are so reactionary to counter punching every ticket that comes in, every request from a guest versus thinking long-term in craft beer. You need to be thinking about, you're thinking, you're planning out your whole year. All of your all of your flagships, all of your mainstays, all of your seasonals. So you have the opportunity when you're thinking like that to think about the long term investment of the cans. And then you start to say, how can I be creative within that space? Because I know I'm going to be committed to it. We now need to say we're committed to to go packaging. We have to be. We have to be as a, as a restaurant industry. So then the next question is, who can help me with that? Who also is going to need that? And I think that's the mindset shift. We need to think more long-term because if we are doing that and not thinking like next week and next week and next week, and that's as far forward as we can think, that creates a vulnerability. So I really appreciate that. I love how tactical these things get. I always just am like, just tell me about your experiences. And then we just have such great guests and all of you are just like deep thinkers of being like, here's some stuff. Here's some shit that will work. Here's some stuff that will matter. So I appreciate that. I want to take the last couple minutes. And talk about innovation, which was mentioned. Talk about creativity. See if there's any packaging where you've been like, huh, that's different and I like it. And I wanted to throw this up, which came up from last week. This is Toki in Portland, Oregon. 
This is some of the sexiest to-go container packaging I have seen. There's branding left and right. There is directions on what to do. It's compartmentalized. Like it just, to me, feels like somewhere I want to spend money. So this was an interesting, this was actually brought to us by uh, a guest on the show who said, you got to go check out Toki. And I was like, yes, this is exactly it. Now, a couple things. One, that looks expensive and it somewhat is, and it's customized and branded. Yet what's interesting in the long-term play is talking to some people in packaging is like, that's going to be expensive. Yet what you have the potential to do is buy a lot more units to drive that cost down. So if you're able to think long-term and make that capital investment, you're actually going to be spending less per unit than some of the to-go packaging you're doing currently. You just can't order based on cash flow. And that's, a, I understand that's a struggle yet. That's where the industry is heading. That's what we need to be thinking about. And the interaction, like, I just feel like I'm a part of their story. Like I've never even had their food. And I'm like, I love these guys. Like, I think that they're thinking about things interestingly. When I mentioned the QR codes, they're already doing this. So innovation and packaging, anything that you've seen, anything that uh, has been interesting to you, Josh, I mean, you're, you're a designer. So you're always thinking about kind of how things work together. Talk about to go packaging, any innovation yeah. you've seen or would like to see? Well, I mean, if you go through you printing, you could get a box of one made, but it's probably 10 bucks. Like no yeah. one's going to pay extra for that. So, you know, the, the larger your, your runs are, the lower your um, volume price is going to yeah. be. We're right? talking like 50,000 probably. Is right. But the issue is comes down to warehousing. And in Colorado, there's no warehouse space because everybody's grown weed there pretty much. And so um, it can be tough. You know, my, I, I love supporting my local restaurants, even if I'm not going, but I also, um, I want to support the restaurants that are out of state. Right. And um, I got Facebook advertised a couple months ago from uh, Peroshki Peroshki in Seattle. You know, they're over by Pike place over by the fake first Starbucks. Yep. And um, in there, yeah. It's like, I go every time I go, I go skiing in Seattle, like almost every year. And that's a must stop. And it's the the powdered donut guy, and then Peroshki Peroshki. It's a good list. They did a whole thing with um, Alaska Air, and they you would pre-order Peroshkis, and then they would um, fly in at six a.m. or whatever, and then you'd meet up at this like random sketchy bookstore, like Fortieth and Grape, like right off I seventy, and um, you would pick up a, a box of frozen Peroshkis, and it was like a fifty dollar minimum. But I split it with my brother. We bought 200 bucks worth of Peroshkis. Oh. And, you know, it gives it gives me a chance to support them, which is I love, you know, and they're, they come frozen. Um, and if you go to Peroshki, Peroshki, they come in these like yellow, they're biodegradable bags. Yep. But we got 30 of like seven or eight different kinds. And they had like the, um, the little legend, you know, that told you what was what, but like yeah. not everything matched up, wasn't all there. I mean, they're still figuring it out. I think we were the first one. Um, and I reached out to them on Instagram. I was like, it would be so cool if you had stickers. And they wrote back and they were like, well, we need like 500,000 at a time. And if you get them for one cent a piece, then we would consider it. And I just, it never, I never had the time to, to bid it out, but it was so fun to be able to like get, this you know food from somewhere that i i'm not have them bring it to me and i get to support them um it took me and my wife like 30 minutes to sort of categorize and then <laughs> vacuum seal and freeze you had to do inventory it, on your peroski it was like it was a, a hurdle to overcome but 
you know, even if I, even if they didn't label them, I would totally order from them again. I, I, they're so damn good. They're, they are damn good. And it's the only reason that I ever go to Pike's place. I'm a big fan of Seattle. It's the only reason that I ever go down there uh, because it is, you know, the throwing the fish and all that. I've seen that. I don't, I don't yeah. need to be a part of that. But anyway, uh, what I like about what you just said is they've created brand and their brand has now gone beyond their four walls. And now you're telling a story that a few thousand people will hear this story and go, huh, that was interesting. You've created brand. And the only thing that matters right now for people is their ability to get their brand out there because your food better be fire. It better be good. Like the food matters to that degree. Yet all of the other interactions are so much more meaningful. And I can just tell like you are so committed and that's what we need. We need people to be committed. So committed that somebody mentions Toki and we put a picture of their to-go packaging. These are the things that are going to transcend just the way we've done business to this point. So Josh, I really appreciate that. And I hope you do bid that out. I want to know what that's like because some practicality that needs to be overcome. When I have the time, places like Broomfield, Colorado, where there's a moratorium on marijuana and find your warehouse there, right? Or all of the uh, catacombs of restaurants across uh, your city that probably have additional warehouse or scale down your menu so you don't need as much room for, you know, X, Y, and Z ingredients and the, that, that vinegar that's been sitting in the storage container for the last year and a half, like thoughtfully thinking about how to utilize your space. So I appreciate that total tangent, but I love it. I I'm a big fan. All right, Susie, Dev, I want to come to you. Just last thoughts, anything we didn't touch on for you, anything that's top of mind for you, Susie. It's a good question. <laughs> I feel like we covered so much. Um, we did. We we ran the gamut for sure. And if you just want a mic drop, just be like, I'm out. I, I feel you too, because I think this was this was really great. Your idea of coalition, I think, is so so important. I think restaurants really need to communicate. A- anything else from a customer standpoint? Anything else that you're thinking about that if restaurants were doing this, you'd care and they would they'd get your money. Take my money, please. Yeah. Well. Um- Honestly, I think now because we're in a point of like recovery, this is the most important time to take everything that we've learned from over this time, but then also be mindful that there are going to be more shifts coming up. And some of those some of those things are going to be unexpected. So I don't know if if people can can just remain flexible and um, communicate with each other, communicate with their customers. I think that they would really um, appreciate that a lot. And it would really show that they're, they're being remembered and thought of, and this is why we're doing it. We're doing it for you Uh, and, and really make it human again, because yeah, this takeout business and going crazy, not having the same containers and, um, how much damage it could possibly do for people. But then, you know, it's an opportunity for us to rise and and really innovate, like you said, just show us, show show people who who we are, what we're capable of. Oh, Susie, you're speaking my language. I'm, thank you for that. That's so important. We have to find hospitality in every single interaction, no matter how foreign it feels for people that make things with their hands and interact with people face to face, hospitality exists no matter where, if you care about people. And so I really appreciate that. Dev, 
the last word. What do you got for us? Um, so when you showed us that awesome little bento box, the um, it made me think of the tiffins that they use in India, which are these stacked uh, silver, uh, well, silver, they're steel containers. And you'll see guys riding all over India with these tiffins and they bring them to the same offices every day. And the next day they'll pick up the dirty ones, drop off a clean one. And I mean, that is, I mean, they're doing this in India, a place that is notorious for, for wasteful uh, use of plastics and whatnot. Um, And they're really with that. And then they're also using these really cool biodegradable bags instead of plastic bags now. So there's really some forward thinking happening around the world. And like with that bento box, I think that there are already lessons out there that people can take um, the growlers, another example that exists. And and so this, it doesn't have to start from scratch. I think there's some beautiful lessons out there and there are some uh, cultures that maybe we don't usually look to for, for advice on not necessarily food itself, but on, on service that um, we could take those lessons back from. And those are even closer to home. Dev, that is a brilliant way to end. Uh, I know places that are delivering those on the back of bike messengers or on scooters in LA and New York. So there is, there is absolutely a model for that. I had a crazy idea that people in downtown corridor should figure out how to get food delivered on electric scooters and get custom made backpacks to fit their food to, to go in scooters. Cause we started to see that people were declining downtown delivery app orders because it's really hard to get parking and get into those places. And so anyway, total tangent again, but there is opportunity and innovation. So amazing, amazing conversation. Thanks to all three of you. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. The answer does to go packaging matter. The answer is yes. The answer is going to be hard. The answer is we respect every struggle that everybody has gone to to get to this point. And now as we start recovery, even though there's going to be a lot of hiccups, the expectation is we want to go packaging. We want hospitality in that process. And we want it to feel like that brand, to be thoughtful, to take care of the environment, to understand that we like cool stuff and we want to be taken care of even in our own homes. All right, that's it, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Josh, Dev, Susie. Thank you so much, you guys, for being on. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.